0: John's Gospel this morning. John's Gospel, chapter 18, the last two verses. And then we'll read down through chapter 19 to verse 11. John, last three verses of John 18. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find no fault, I find in him no fault at all. But you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again, saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. And then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. When the chief priest therefore and officers saw him. They cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, He was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? And Jesus answered, Thou thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. In this text, the Lord Jesus Christ is before the Roman governor Pilate because the Jews had rejected him. And for envy, they had delivered him onto Pilate because they hated him. The testimony of Scripture is that in every event concerning the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are always two things at work at the same time. The first is this God is controlling every event. Concerning the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is in absolute control. The second is this. Each human instrument involved in the apprehension, in the trial, in the bodily harm, and in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ are individually responsible for their own actions against God. God holds every one of the Jews and every one of the Gentiles Responsible for how they acted toward his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This truth that God is overseeing every event, controlling it, and that every human being responsible, uh, every human being involved is responsible, is borne out in Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Acts 2 and verse 23, Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost and he says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Jesus delivered to that cross by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. In fact, God was in control of all the events. But you have taken and with wicked hands you have crucified and slain him. Both truths are found in one verse. The same is true in Acts chapter 4, verse 27 and verse 28, where the two truths are revealed again. Acts chapter 4, verse 27 and verse 28. For of a truth, this is the, the truth that they are praying here, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, Both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For what purpose? Verse 28. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. All of these uh, people, the Jews, Herod, Pilate, the Roman soldiers, all of them together are gathered by God to do what God has determined needs to be done, but they are responsible for their actions. And you say, Brother Pan, I can't put those two truths together, but they are both found in the Scripture at the same time. And we bo- must believe both of them at the same time. God is overseeing all the events of our life, and at the same time, we are personally responsible for how we live our life before God. There are two truths working at the very same time in the events before us in this chapter. Pilate is trying to determine a way to release the Lord Jesus Christ. We see this man, Pilate, trying to figure out a way to just release him. He doesn't want to kill him. He finds no fault in him. And he's Doing this and He's doing that. He's making uh, offers to the Jews to try to release Him. And God has ordained that His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, would die and be crucified at the cross. (laughs) Both are going on at the same time. Pilate will not be successful because God has determined that His Son Will die at Calvary's cross to pay for the sin of his people. And yet Pilate is responsible for his actions. So are the Jews, so are the Roman soldiers. So the first thing we see here is this Pilate continues in his efforts to release the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that he is innocent. Verses 18, or chapter 18, verses 38 through 40. Pilate went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But you have a custom that I should release on you one at the Passover. Will you therefore that I should release on you the king of the Jews? What is this? But Pilate trying to release Jesus from his, from his oversight. And the Jews cried out, Not this man. But Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. We are introduced to Barabbas at the end of chapter eighteen. Barabbas. The name Barabbas means son of his father. Bar is son, and son. Abba, Abbas is father. Abba, father. We spoke. We are taught to pray to our Father that way. Not only as God, but as Father. But here is one who is called the Son of His Father. Now there is no question that Barabbas is son of his physical father. But there is a deeper meaning here. As you study the life of this man who was chosen over the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not the Son of God, His Father. He is instead a murderer, a thief, and he is the son of his father who is a murderer from the beginning. In Luke chapter 23, verses 18 and 19, Luke 23, 18 and 19, we read concerning this man, and they cried out, all at once, saying, Away with this man, referring to Jesus Christ, and release unto us Barabbas. And then we're, verse 19, an insert of some information concerning him, who for a certain sedition, for insurrection, for trying to overthrow the Roman government made in the city, and for murder. He was cast into prison. He tried to overthrow the Roman government. He was a murderer. John 18.40 says that he is a robber, a thief. The word actually means one who has plundered the goods of another. He was involved with others in murdering. He was involved in others of plundering the, the riches of others. He was trying to overthrow the Roman government. And Matthew simply says in Matthew 27.16 that he was a notable prisoner. A prisoner of great note. This is the man they chose over Jesus Christ. Son of His Father. Who was a murderer from the beginning. And a liar. And who sought to overthrow God before he was cast out of heaven. I'm speaking of Satan. Being a liar from the beginning and a murderer of men's souls and a usurper of authority. Barabbas, the deeper meaning of his name is that he is the son of Satan. Now there are seven things that took place the moment these Jews chose Barabbas over Jesus Christ. First, in choosing Barabbas, the Jews formerly reject the Lord Jesus Christ as their God. That's the first thing. They reject Jesus Christ as God. Secondly, they reject Him as their Messiah, God sent deliverer to the one who would deliver them from all their enemies, not physical but spiritual. Thirdly, they reject Jesus Christ as their mediator. The only mediator between God and man is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only one who could lay hold on God and lay hold on a sinner and bring the two together is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the rejection of Jesus Christ, they have rejected the only mediator that can bring them to God. Fourthly, then. Their rejection of Jesus Christ, they reject their Redeemer. The only one who can pay for sins, the only one who will make an offering to God that will satisfy the righteous uh, anger and justice of the Almighty is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can buy, purchase uh, sinners from off the um, slave block of sin. By the shedding of His blood, He redeemed His people from their sins. The people of God, Christians, are sometimes called blood-bought children of God. The old-timers used to talk about Christians as being the blood-bought children of God. Jesus Christ shedding His blood has bought them. They are not their own. They belong unto Him. Number five. In rejecting Jesus Christ, they reject the Savior. The only one who can save them from their sins. The only one who can forgive them of their sins. Number six, in rejecting Jesus Christ, they reject their King. The one who, as I preached in the last couple of weeks, who came to establish a spiritual kingdom and sits on his own throne in the spiritual kingdom and those that are born again are brought into the kingdom of, of the Son of God And they serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. They reject Jesus Christ as their King. And before these chapters are finished, they will say, we have no King but Caesar. They bring themselves under Roman rule. And number seven, in rejecting Jesus Christ, they reject the only one who can justify a sinner and bring him into heaven without any sin present in his soul. They reject the Lord Jesus Christ and choose Barabbas. In rejecting him, they choose a murderer. They choose a murderer. Later, after the day of Pentecost is over and our Lord has already ascended and He's taken His throne in heaven and Peter's preached on the day of Pentecost and and some days later, he is preaching again in Solomon's temple where he, they healed a lame man. And Peter is preaching and he says to the Jews that have gathered around, you have denied the Holy One and the just, Acts chapter 3, verse 14, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. You have denied the righteous Son of God and preferred a murder to be given, granted unto you. Acts 3 and verse 14. All the Jews were involved in that choice made that day for Barabbas. Notice the language of John 18 and verse 40. The scripture says, Then cried they all, This is the whole of the Sanhedrin. This is all of the Jews, Jewish officers, and the chief priest, and the priest. All of them had gathered, remember. And they had come into the garden and taken him out. And they had come together and brought him to Pilate's judgment hall. All of these Jews had gathered themselves together. And the scripture in John 18.40 says they cried. All of them cried. Matthew 27, verse 20 says... The chief priest and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The multitude that were, hundreds were gathered there that evening. Hundreds of them. And to a man, every woman, and every child, we would have Barabbas instead of Jesus, our king. Pilate is also guilty. Though claiming that he believed Jesus to be innocent, without fault, yet Pilate sets Jesus Christ and Barabbas side by side and sets them as though they were equal before the Jewish crowd. And the Jews cry out for Barabbas. Why would Pilate set Jesus, the Son of God, who who He says in Him is no fault, next to a man who is guilty of trying to overthrow the Roman government, guilty of murder, a thief, why would they set him side by side as though they were equal and let the mass of people choose which one? Pilate joins with the crowd. To make Jesus and Barabbas equal. And that brings us to chapter 19. Verses 1 through 4. After the crowd had cried out that we would have Barabbas and not Jesus. Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers... Planted a crown of thorns. Remember, there were probably more than 500 soldiers that were present. Planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe. Uh, Other uh, gospel writers refer to it as being red. There was this kind of reddish purple color. And one says red or scarlet, the other says purple. It is not an error in the word of God, rather. It is just how you look at it. It's soaked full of blood by the time... The crowd comes out to see it. Anyway, a purple robe, and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Another gospel said they took these uh, palm-leaf things, and they they beat him on the head, so that they drove the crown into his scalp on his forehead. They beat him with their fists. Pilate therefore went forth again, And saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, and that you may know that I find no fault in him. If he found no fault in him, why did he have him scourged? Scourging under Roman law is reserved for the guilty alone. It would be used prior to crucifying the... Most uh, heinous criminals in Rome. They would scourge them first with a whip and beat them till they were bloody on their back and shoulders and sides to weaken them, and then they placed them on that cross so they would die quicker. The bloody body of the Lord Jesus Christ, after having been scourged, was brought before the crowd again. Why is the Lord Jesus Christ allowed to be mistreated by the Roman soldiers? Why is He allowed to be mocked by the Roman soldiers if there is no fault in Him? Why, after scourging the Lord and allowing Him to be abused by the Roman soldiers, does Pilate still insist that he is innocent? The answers to those questions reveal that God is working out the full details of everything that the Lord Jesus Christ is facing and He is doing so for a reason. First is this. Always remember, as you read the Gospels and go through the Scriptures, that Jesus Christ is God. And the world hates God. Jesus Christ has turned Himself over into the hands of the world. This is the one that in the beginning of the Gospel of John, the Scripture says in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is the one of which Matthew says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call him by his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus Christ is God walking on the earth. God with us. God with mankind. God in the flesh. Fully God and fully man at the same time. And the world hates God. They hate God. What we see developing before us in this text is the fulfillment of the truth related to the heart of sinners. If sinners could get their hands on God, they would do everything in their power to destroy Him. Consider what the Scripture says in Romans 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Romans 8, 7. Enmity against God, the word enmity is much stronger than the word hate. The carnal mind, the lost man does not just hate God, but he has drawn his sword and has pointed it in the face of God and he stands against God in a warfare against God. He hates Him and he wants to put an end to Him. He wants to seek by any means to destroy Him. Listen to what the Scripture says in Romans 3. Let's begin reading in verse 10. In fact, turn over there so you can see what the Scripture says. Romans 3 verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Our Lord was, Lord was turned over into the hands of, of, of those who have said that there is not one of them that is righteous. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. He has been turned over. Into the hands of those that do not understand God or know anything about Him and they do not seek Him. They, have, they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no not one. It says in verse 12. Turned over into the hands of men who do not do good to Him. His ministry is defined as going about doing good. Feeding the poor, healing the sick, and doing good. And in this hour, He has turned Himself over to the hands of those who do not know how to do good. God in the hands of men who hate Him. It goes on, the Scripture does, in, John, in Romans 3, and verse 13, Their throat is an open sepulcher. The tongues, they have used deceit. Isn't that true? Haven't the Jews lied and deceived Pilate? The poison of asp is under their lips. Haven't they used their lips to seek to kill the Lord Jesus Christ? Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Haven't they used their mouth to curse the Son of God? Are they not bitter and envious of Him? Their feet are swift to shed blood. They had laid hold on the Son of God and swiftly they have brought Him to Pilate's judgment seat. Destruction and misery are in their ways. Do they not desire with all of their heart to destroy Him? Sin is being revealed as it really is. These events also fall under a time that is referred to as Satan's hour. Luke chapter twenty-two and verse fifty-three. Luke twenty-two, fifty-three says, When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. This is your hour. This is the time for you Jews to do with me whatever you want to, but it is also the time for the power of darkness. The phrase power of darkness refers to the rule of darkness or the kingdom of darkness. This is the time not only for you Jews to take hold on me, but this is a time when Satan is empowered, you Jews, against me. The Jews under the power and influence of the devil, were given free reign to apprehend the Lord Jesus Christ and to seek by whatever means to kill Him. Our Lord's words in John 8 in verse 44 are true. He said, Ye are of your father the devil, speaking to the Jews, and the lust of your father you will do. This is a statement of fact concerning where they were at at that moment in John 8, but it is also prophetic. The lust of your Father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in Him. He rejected truth and sought to murder the souls of men. You also reject truth and are seeking to murder Me. When He speaketh, A lie he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You are lying to the people that you are supposed to be helping. You are lying to Pilate about who I am and what I have said. They are following the dictates of the devil in this hour. This is their hour, but it is also the hour of the power of darkness. Besides all of that, human nature is on display. In everything that is taking place with our Lord Jesus Christ, we are seeing what humans would do if they're just free to do what they want to do. And the picture is not a pretty one. If you need a reason beside the plain statement of Scriptures as to why God's salvation is by grace and not by the efforts of humans, just look at what's taking place here. When humans are given free reign and taking control of the Son of God, what do they do? Do they embrace Him? Do they want to make their life better for Him? Do they seek to turn over a new leaf so that they can impress Him? What do they do? What does human nature do when humans lay their hands on the Son of God? From the time that he was apprehended in the Garden of Eden, throughout the trial and the scourging and the crucifixion, we see human nature on display. We see the righteousness of men without Christ. We see the goodness of men without Christ. We see that all have gone astray. Is there any good? Look at what they're doing to Jesus. Is there any righteous? Look at what they're doing to Jesus. Is there any that understand? Look at what they're doing to the Lord Jesus Christ. They are representative of all of mankind. The same may be said of the Gentiles who are not followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Human nature is on display. Everything that has taken place We see what humans would do if they were left to themselves. I'm thankful to God that He did not leave me to myself. I'm thankful to God that He didn't say it's all up to you now. I'm thankful to God that He says I've done all that I'm going to do now. It's up to you. You do what you can do. Because if God is in the hands of a man, that man left in his nature will seek to destroy him. Every religion, every man-made religion in the world seeks to destroy the truth concerning the one true and living God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Every one of them puts a substitute for the living God in place. And the end result of their religion is the destruction of the souls of those who follow them. Sin was about to be paid for. But men don't know what sin looks like. Men don't understand what sin is. You talk to a man about sin and he'll shake his head, yes, I'm a sinner. But the guy down the street, you know, that guy beats his wife or the guy down across the road, he's a drug dealer. I'm not as bad as he is. The Bible says if you offend the law in one point, you're guilty of all. And comparing yourself to another sinner as though you are better only magnifies the sin that is in you. Sin must be revealed as it is in truth. In the apprehension and the trial and the scourging and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, we see sin on display. Not just human nature. Sin is lawlessness. The Jews ignored and broke their own law in order to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. Pilate and Herod and the Roman soldiers set aside the law of Rome in order to scourge him. And to crucify Him, sin is lawlessness. Sin is also the transgression of the law. John, 1 John 3 and verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. Both Jew and Gentiles broke the law of God in everything related to the apprehension of Trial, scourging, and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. They broke God's law. And despite breaking the Roman law and scourging the Lord Jesus Christ, despite allowing the Roman soldiers to mock Him as a king with a crown of thorns and a scarlet robe and to beat Him and to spit upon Him, Pilate still declares that I find no fault in Him. This is by God's design too. The Lord Jesus Christ was called the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. John chapter 1 and verse 34 when He was introduced to the Jewish nation by John the Baptist, He said, Behold the Lamb of God. This is who He is. Every Jew knows that if this is the Lamb of God that is going to be offered as a sacrifice to God, that He must be blameless and He must be without blemish. There may be no spot in Him. Every Lamb that has been brought to the sacrifice, the altar of sacrifice had to be perfect and spotless and blameless and, and without any blemish. In order to fulfill the Old Testament type, Jesus Christ Himself must be blameless and spotless. He must be without fault. God has seen to it that many gave testimony to that fact. Even his enemies. Let me give you a list of seven here. Matthew 27, 4. Judas Iscariot, I have betrayed innocent blood. John 19, verse 4. Pilate, I find no fault in him. Luke 23.15, Pilate, testifying to Herod's testimony, said that Herod said, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. Now was Herod that said that to Pilate. Luke 23, verse 15. Pilate's wife, in Matthew 27.19, have thou nothing to do with that just man. Yes. The dying thief.
1: Luke 23
0: verse 41. This man has done nothing amiss. The Roman centurion at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 23 47. Certainly this was a righteous man. And then the multitude that stood around the centurion's At the cross, when Jesus Christ died in Matthew 27 and verse 54, said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Out of the mouth of seven witnesses, God has declared a thing to be true. Pilate has said, He is without fault. I find no fault in him, but he has scourged him. He has set him next to a criminal to allow the Jews to pick who they want to pick. And so that brings us to verse 5. Then came Jesus forth wearing a crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto him, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Behold the man, Pilate said. Not behold your king. Not behold the King of the Jews. Pilate's view of the Lord Jesus Christ at this point was not any more true than that of the Jews. Both believed him to be just a man. I find no fault in him, he said. This is the second time that he has made that statement. The first was John 18 and verse 38 when Pilate stood alone before the Jews and declared there was no fault in Jesus Christ. But this second time, Pilate stands next to Jesus. The Lord has been scourged. He has been beaten. He has been spit upon. He wears a crown of thorns upon his head that have dug deep into his scalp and in his forehead. Blood is running down from his face to his shoulders. He has been scourged so that blood is running down from his back and his sides to his legs. He wears a scarlet or purple robe that has been soaked with blood. The people would barely recognize the one who walked among them for three or three and a half years. And they would barely recognize Him as a man. This too is a fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah 50 verse 6 says of the Messiah, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off my hair. He plucked out His beard. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Isaiah 50 verse 6 Two chapters later in Isaiah chapter 52 verse 14 the scripture says as many as were astounded at the the old English word astounded mean astonished beyond belief they were astonished believed beyond belief why the verse goes on Isaiah 52:14 his visage his person was so marred so disfigured the Hebrew word means. More than any man. And his form more than the sons of man. When Pilate brings him now publicly to stand before the Jews to announce to the next time that I find no fault in him, the Scripture says, the man. They cannot even tell who he is from the beatings that He has taken. And the crowd cries out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! As they looked upon the scourged and beaten body of the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of feeling some remorse for their action, instead of feeling some pity for the man that has been beaten, they cry out, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And in verse 7, the Jews answered as Pilate had said, You take him and crucify him. And the Jews answered Pilate in verse 7, We have a law, and by our Lord he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And he went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? He doesn't say, who are you? Whence art thou? Where are you from? He already knows he's from Galilee because he's already sent him to Herod and Herod has sent him back. So the question is not, where are you from? Are you from Galilee? Because I already know that. Whence art thou? And Jesus gave him no answer. Jesus was, Pilate was the more afraid. He knew the Jews had delivered Jesus to him out of envy. He knew that Jesus was innocent of all Roman law. He and Herod both knew there was nothing worthy of death in our Lord Jesus Christ. But he was afraid. He was afraid of the political upheaval that would be caused if he did not do what the Jews were demanding that he do. He was afraid because the Jews had chosen one who was guilty of insurrection and left an innocent man to stand before him. He was afraid because his wife had already sent him warning because she had a dream that night. Now he is more afraid Because he just heard that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. The Jews reveal the real reason why they want Jesus dead. It is because He has claimed to be God and they will not have this man rule over them. Whence art thou? Pilate says to Jesus, Where are you from? For a moment, it seems, Pilate has a question. But Jesus gives him no answer. And that moment flees. Why does Jesus not answer him? Pilate has gone against everything he has declared to be true and right at this point. He has declared Jesus to be without fault, yet He put Him alongside Barabbas. He had declared Jesus to be without fault, and yet He had Him scourged. He had declared Jesus to be without fault, yet He wanted to turn Him over to the Jews so that they could crucify Him. Jesus doesn't answer him. When a man turns from truth, he can only turn to error. When he turns from what is right, he can only turn toward that which is wrong. When he turns from the one who can bring sinners peace with God, he can only turn to that which produces more fear. When he turns from light, he can only turn to darkness. Pilate is the more afraid. Jesus does not answer. Then saith Peter or Pilate unto him, verse 10, Speakest thou not unto me? How quickly the moment passes. Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, that I have power to release thee? Verse 11, Now Jesus speaks. Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except, were given thee from above. And therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Pilate, you are sinning, but the ones that are having the greater sin are the Jews that delivered me to you. Both are guilty. Thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given thee. Given to you. Our Lord's answer to Pilate, Pilate, Pilate claims to have power, and our Lord's answer to Pilate's claim to power is that Pilate has no power except that which is given to him. Does disease have power over the body? Yes, but no power except what God gives it. Do our enemies have power to kill us? Yes but no power except what God gives him. They may open their mouth and threaten, but they do not have power to fulfill until it is our time and our day to die. God controls those things. God controls those things. These words from the Lord's mouth teach us that He understands who it is that is overseeing all the events of the day. It is not the Jews who have rejected their Messiah. It is not the Roman leaders who are caught between a rock and a hard place. It is not them that is the issue. It is God, His Father, ordering the events of the day, making sure that everything takes place on purpose and for a purpose so that we might read and understand the true Human, what true human nature will do with God. What sin would do if it was released upon God. Jesus Christ understands as He stands there disfigured from what the Roman soldiers had done. God is in control of this situation. The predetermined counsel of God was overruling every aspect. God was in control. So God's plan to save sinners from their sin would be worked out in every detail according to the one who does all things well after the counsel of His own will. According to one who does all things well and maketh no mistake... The Father had sent the Son into the world to save sinners from their sins. That task must be accomplished. There is no other way except that the Son of God become the sinner's substitute and bear, he who knew no sin, take sin upon himself and bear the wrath of Almighty God against that sin. There is no other way. A substitute must stand in the place of a sinner or the sinner will perish. No man, no devil, nothing, nothing will hinder God from accomplishing His will and saving sinners from their sin. None can stop Him from doing that. It has been planned from before the foundations of the world. God had determined to save sinners from their sins. Pilate is trying to release Jesus. And Herod finds no fault in him. The whole thing seems to be in a mess. And every little detail is being worked out by the Almighty. Why? So that sinners could be saved from their sin. Do you see, those of you who are outside of Christ this morning, do you see. The lengths that God would go to to save sinners from their sins. And do you see that, that, him, uh, that the lengths He would go to uh, to accomplish that task? To see to it that salvation was purchased at Calvary's cross. That it was accomplished at Calvary's cross. Not to let the Satan hinder it. Not to let men hinder it. But to accomplish the task of saving sinners from their sins. That should give you some hope. They say, "What about me? You don't understand. You don't know my sin. You don't know how deep. You don't know how much. You don't know what I've done or thought." Yes, I do. There is no temptation taking you, but it's common to men. I've been there. I've walked that road, and God saved me. Do you want to be saved? You cannot do it. Human nature cannot accomplish that. But God can. The Lord can. He's the the one, Jesus Christ, He's the one who can save you from your sins. You come to Him, He will save you from your sins. You call upon Him, and He will save you from your sins. He will not cast you out. Child of God, rest in what God has accomplished. Not what you are trying to do, but in what God has accomplished. As we go through these chapters, the next couple of chapters, and we see the events unfold before us, we understand and keep in our minds, God is ordering all things to one great end, that Jesus Christ would save sinners from their sins. And from that day into this, Jesus Christ has been saving sinners from their sins. And He can save you too. Let's pray.